The Reverend stuffs the running back in the Georgia runoff. There's no excuses in life. And I'm not going to make any excuses now because we put up one heck of a fight. After a hard-fought campaign, you got me for six more years. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Greg Bluestein. And I'm Patricia Murphy, and we are two of the political insiders here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you're just listening to us for the first time, welcome, and be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Patricia, we are taping this just (laughs) moments after Senator Warnock's victory speech at the Atlanta uh, Marriott Marquis downtown. It has been quite a night. We've been here uh, at the culmination of the last battle of 2022, watching the returns come in, watching a very, very close race just go just over the finish line for Senator Warnock. It's true. And to me, this feels like the last gasp of the 2020 campaign. It just feels like this never ended. And I have to assume that Raphael Warnock and his campaign staff feel the same way because right after he did win that 2021 runoff, he just rolled straight into re-election. He just went right back into cycle. And so this has been just a very high intensity period for um, reporters covering Senator Warnock in this race, covering Georgia politics, and then of course for the people involved themselves. So it was, a, I mean, it was uh, the amount of relief and jubilation in the room when Warnock finally got over the finish line, you almost can't describe it. I've not been to a victory party with this level of um, kind of exuberance in a really long time. Exuberance, exhaustion, exhilaration, a lot of X's. Um, <laughs> but it really was because, think about it this way, Senator Warnock's been on the ballot five times since November 2020. And only now is he free and clear for the next six years, unless he, you know, unless he has other designs for 2024. But that's a topic for a different day. He indeed did thank voters for giving him six more years. And before he even got on the stage, there was chance saying six more years over and over again, um, because his relief supporters were were so happy that he had won. Uh, we'll also hear from Shannon McCaffrey, our AJC colleague, who is over at Herschel Walker's uh, campaign party to talk about his final moments as a U.S. Senate candidate. And of course, we'll talk about uh, what's next for the U.S. Senate now that it's a 51-49 split. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades, an AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Okay, Patricia, there's a lot to unpack here. It was a topsy-turvy night. We all expected it. You know, it's hard to, you know, sometimes voters at home, viewers at home, listeners at home, readers at home, 
it, it's tough to anticipate what's going to happen. But we always know there's a familiar pattern, which is as the early votes come in now, now that they're counted earlier, the Democrats usually come up to a big lead. But then as more rural counties and election day votes are tallied, a Republican kind of makes a comeback, you know, and then it's kind of down to the wire. And that's what happened in, in the results today. Herschel Walker was trailing Senator Warnock by a pretty big margin with early votes. Um, some of those exurban and rural counties started coming in big for Herschel Walker, making it a neck and neck race. Um, but the biggest factor in this entire race was that Metro Atlanta counties were still outstanding, tens of thousands of votes. And uh, Herschel Walker underperformed a lot of his vote totals, a lot of his vote proportions in the November race. And, you know, lagging behind so many in so many of these counties, he had a lot of work to do. He had to depend on low turnout, uh, low election day turnout in Metro Atlanta, and he just couldn't couldn't get that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, um, as you said, we're he, we were we are still here actually in the ballroom where we were watching returns come in, and um, Herschel Walker was starting to build up a pretty sizable lead over Raphael Warnock, and um, that was because he won as expected these Republican counties. Paulding County, Glenn County, Tift County, Thomas County, all that, all which he was expected to win. However, when you looked at his performance, he was finishing um, in terms of his spread from Raphael Warnock, maybe two or three points behind where he was in November. So he had a bigger lead over Warnock in those counties in November than he did today. But he needed to do the opposite, obviously, because he finished behind Warnock in November. So he needed to expand his lead, not see his leads shrinking. And then at the exact same time, we were starting to see some of those bigger metro counties, not just in Atlanta, but all around the state, um, Bibb County, Muskogee County, Richmond County, um, Clark County, all those Democratic strongholds, we were seeing Raphael Warnock's lead larger than it was in November. So we were starting to get the sense that even though sort of this larger proportion of rural counties was coming in, that Herschel Walker was already not doing the work that he needed to do. So there was a point where he was up by about maybe 20,000 votes. It had, it had gone over the wire at CNN. There was a huge cheer over at the Walker campaign. Um, but you and I both know that DeKalb County still had not come in at all. And Warnock won that by a margin of 200,000 votes in November. So it just didn't look like there was going to be any way that once those Metro County tallies dumped into the pile, that Walker was going to be able to hold that lead. And and that's exactly what happened. You know, it's always weird to be on this side of things because you're exactly right. Like we, you know, we saw the the results showing a razor thin, you know, 15,000 vote lead for one candidate or the other. It kept on seesawing back and forth. But we also knew what votes were outstanding, right? And we also knew that a huge number of votes in Fulton, DeKalb, Cobb, Gwinnett, Clayton, you know, all the areas where Democrats tend to rack up big margins were still outstanding. So on one hand, I was literally getting texts from Republicans saying, stick a fork in it. It's, It's over. We lost. You know, it's all over but the counting. Things like that I was getting from very savvy senior Republican strategists. But... On the other hand, you know, the results still showed a razor tight margin. And so, you know, it was hard for folks at home to kind of reconcile the two. I was getting all sorts of texts from either worried Republicans or worried Democrats about their candidate. Like, hey, guys, it's, you know, it's not looking good for for Herschel (laughs) Walker right now. Um, But that's how these things go. We have a special opportunity since we were at Senator Warnock's um, campaign party headquarters the entire night. 
our AJC colleague, Shannon McCaffrey, is over with Herschel Walker. She's going to join us by phone from just after the Herschel Walker party. Shannon, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. So tell us what it was like over at the Herschel Walker campaign, because we were just talking about how there was some anxious Democrats here, even though even though the, the, the strategists were confident, you know, let's say 9 p.m. and beyond. Um, but the, the numbers themselves were very, very close. What was it like over there with Herschel Walker's campaign? So it was kind of two-tiered. So the, they had Fox News playing on the big screen. And so most folks who were in the, um, in the actual room itself, you know, the party room, uh, were watching Fox. And every time the numbers would kind of toggle a little bit back and forth, you know, in, in Walker's favor, they would get very excited. But then, you know, when the campaign aides are coming in and talking to you, they know where it's going, right? Yeah. You know, so, so they're completely aware of the direction that it's going. And actually, we're a little bit encouraged that it was closer than they thought it would be. Um, so there was, I think, there's a definite sense of inevitability about where things were going to go, that maybe they could put it off a little while longer. But, you know, among the campaign aides there, there was definitely a sense that this was going to go in Warnock's direction. You know, I mean, the room wasn't all that full. It was, um, there were folks there, but there weren't a lot of big names there. Kelly Leffler was there. Um, Vernon Jones was there. But, you know, Brian Kemp was not. Other, other, you know, big, big Republicans were not. So I think that tells you something, you know, just about who was there and who wasn't there and the size of the crowd. That's interesting. So, Shannon, over here at the Raphael Warnock event, there were... There was line dancing, there was cheering, hooting, hollering, and at the moment that that was happening over here, I saw a picture that you had put up of a prayer circle over at the Herschel Walker campaign. What was going on in that moment? Yeah, so um, there was no line dancing, there was very little <laughs> hooting and hollering, uh, Not not, and there was country music, but... Um, you know, so right after the uh, network started to call the races, the race rather, and um, and then Fox called it, which was when the crowd saw it, you know, everything got kind of hushed. And then this prayer circle, you know, formed in kind of the middle of the of the room. And, you know, people were just really a little bit emotional um, and, and feeling, uh, you know, just I think a sense of disappointment but also, uh, you know, just resignation uh, as well. So, yeah, that, that was interesting. That is not something I've seen at a campaign event mm-hmm. before, but it definitely sort of fit in the Herschel Walker mode. You know, as you guys know, you've been out on the trail with him. There's definitely a huge religious streak in what he's doing and among his supporters. So, you know, in the context of his campaign, it wasn't surprising at all. We talked to Herschel Walker um, earlier on Tuesday where he said he basically has no regrets. He kind of echoed that message in his, um, in, in his farewell speech. Here's what he said. This is much bigger. This is much bigger than Herschel Walker. And I told, I told someone this the other day. I said, guys, I've done a lot of stuff. Uh, you talk about Heisman Trophy. You talk about all the athletic awards, business awards I won. But the best thing I've ever done in my whole entire life is run for the Senate seat right here. And the reason I'm going to say that is I got a chance to meet all you and to hear what you guys feel about this country. He also said no one else deserves the blame. We can't blame no one. 
because uh, I want you to continue to believe in this country, believe in our elected officials, and most of all, stay together. Don't let anyone separate you. Don't let anyone tell you that we can't, because I'm here to tell you we can. And I'm here to tell you we can. He also didn't once utter his opponent's name, Shannon. Yeah, you know, what was interesting was um, at, right after he spoke, a few of Walker's aides came around and said that was a concession speech. It was a concession speech. And, you know, it just to kind of make clear to folks that this was definitely him conceding. But, you know, I, I also, he did not mention Warnock's name, but I also thought, you know, given his connection to Donald Trump and, and election deniers, et cetera, et cetera, you know, I think we had kind of no real idea how he would respond to a loss. And, you know, he made a, a point, even though he didn't mention Warnock's name, of encouraging his supporters to back elected officials, to back, the, to back America, to back the Constitution, which is a very different tone. His speech was very conciliatory, you know, and, and I think that was a real break from what one might have expected from somebody who, whose mentor was Donald Trump. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about Senator Warnock's victory speech and what's next in the U.S. Senate. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. And we're back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Your host, Greg Bluestein, along with the other host, Patricia Murphy. And we are two of the authors of the Morning Jolt newsletter, which sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics. And you can get it in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the AJC. You can join the community right now by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. And your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. We here at Political Georgia would also love to know what you think of our podcast. Please click the link in today's episode description, answer a few questions, so we'll know how to make this podcast even better. Okay, let's get into Senator Warnock's victory speech. We've heard a few of these over the years, and there's some common themes, and here's one of them. Throughout his entire campaign for office, he talked about working across party lines. He claimed the center in a way that Herschel Walker just didn't. Herschel Walker continued a campaign strategy of of appealing to the, the Republican base, which makes sense. But he knew also that there was all these kind of Kemp Warnock voters up for grabs. And instead of appealing to them, he, he, he relied on Governor Kemp to try to appeal to them. But Senator Warnock continued that sustained appeal to those middle of the road voters. And here's what Senator Warnock said about that. I'm proud of the bipartisan work I've done, and I intend to do more because I actually believe that at the end of the day, we are all Americans. I believe in that American covenant. 
e pluribus unum. And it is that covenant that drives me to work to lower costs, to lower the cost of prescription drugs, to create jobs all across our state, to address the issue of criminal justice reform. Because, because I believe that you can have justice and safety at the same time. Well, I think it's going to be so interesting as we see Senator Warnock return to Washington and then really start to build out his career, um, what direction he goes in, because he has said very explicitly here in this speech that he's going to continue to really reach out to moderates. He said specifically, even if you didn't vote for me, I'm still working for you and I still see you and I still understand that this is a difficult time for people, um, even if you didn't vote for me. And so when he's back in the U.S. Senate, I think there's an expectation among Democrats that um, because he is the pastor at Ebenezer and because he has such a lengthy um, experience in uh, kind of voting rights and uh, uh, working toward criminal justice reform, that those are the issues that he'll work on. Um, but I, and Republicans have criticized him and said, well, you know, this whole middle of the road thing, that's just a campaign tactic. That's not really who he is. And um, that's exactly what Herschel Walker said during his campaign. Um, but we're going to see now as Warnock returns um, just what kind of career he's going to sketch out. And when we've talked to him outside of the context of the campaign, he's been very interested in talking about um, military issues, talking about um, kind of the U.S. posture around the globe, around um, working for veterans and active duty military members here in the state, um, uh, farmers, agriculture issues, um, just the types of things that uh, really do cut across party lines. And so um, it looks like that's going to be the bulk Mm -hmm. of his work. He'll certainly make time for those other progressive um, kind of fights on, on a abortion rights and on uh, voting rights, certainly, but he is really laying out the direction he's going to be taking his uh, his full term in. And it's so hard, I think, for somebody in his position to have really set the kind of tone he wanted in just two years. You know, he basically was elected and went straight back into cycle and was already in re-election mode. So now he's going to get a lot more breathing room to really settle into his committee assignments really settle in and uh, figure out who his allies are going to be and figure out what kind of senator he's going to be. Um, but he um, he made a lot of promises in this speech tonight about what, what kind of senator that's going to be, what that's going to look like. And it'll be just so fascinating to see um, how he proceeds um, with that because the, you know, the incentives and the rewards in Washington really are toward the partisans. Um, that's how you get leadership positions. That's how you get fundraising money. Um, so how is he going to move forward and uh, continue to be the senator that he promised to be tonight? And one area we know he's going to try to advance is federal voting rights legislation, which he invoked in his victory speech. There are those who would look at the outcome of this race and say that there's no voter suppression in Georgia. Let me be clear. Just because people endured long lines that wrapped around buildings, some blocks long, just because they endured the rain and the cold and all kinds of tricks in order to vote, doesn't mean that voter suppression does not exist. It simply means that you, the people, have decided that your voices will not be silenced. So Shannon, now Senator Warnock 
has, along with the Democrats, a, a one extra vote to push Democratic priorities. Right? Senate control was not on the line, but a majority in the Senate was, and this allows Democrats to rip up power-sharing agreements and committees, gives them more leverage to help appoint presidential appointees and pursue democratic priorities and you know th- this this one vote is a big deal it's not senate control but it's a big deal in the u.s senate it is and you know president obama when he was here the other night um really talked about that in a lot of detail you know he was kind of going through how why 51 is better than 50 and talked about the ideas that you know, you can have a little bit more wiggle room, you can get a lot more done, you can have power on committees, you know, judicial appointments. So this is a point he was making. And it's, you know, it's hard because it's a little bit arcane. You know, it's a little bit uh, difficult to make a point to somebody who isn't paying close attention to politics that that's a big deal. But, you know, I think they have really tried to make the point that this can help Biden get his agenda through, that it can help, you know, I mean, Warnock made the point today, I covered his last uh, campaign rally in Norcross this morning, and, you know, he was making the point that he really thinks there's a bipartisan, uh, you know, path to getting an insulin cap for others. You know, he had wanted to make that broader outside of just Medicare recipients. And, you know, he really thinks that there could be a bipartisan path to that and that 51 will make a difference there. So Mm -hmm. I do think it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and whether it will make a difference going forward, especially since the house is now in Republican hands. One thing that we can be assured of Patricia is that Senator Warnock is immense his status as a premier national Democrat. I mean, he's won now twice in Georgia, he's won two grueling Senate runoffs in Georgia in a row. Uh, he's now safe for six years, should he decide to stay in the U.S. Senate. We have no indication he doesn't, but of course, we, we have already heard from operative strategists, uh, just folks, talking about him as a potential 2024 candidate. Who knows? But clearly, this is a guy who has raised epic amounts of money, who just won the most expensive uh, U.S. Senate race of this cycle, who won the most expensive U.S. race Senate race in the nation's history last cycle, <laughs> when you combine those two Senate runoffs, um, and has done it under the you know unceasing spotlight of just national scrutiny. Yeah, and you know, watching his speech tonight, it really did remind me that he is so different from other senators. Um, First of all, he really cemented the history that he made in 2021 to become the first black man to be a U.S. senator from Georgia, and really in a full term. And it didn't have anything to do with Joe Biden. It didn't have anything to do with Donald Trump. This really was just a head-to-head matchup. And he was able to extend that um, kind of history and take his place in history. And then seeing him speak, He really, um, for Democrats, he is so unusual because his language is just dripping in the gospel. It is so infused with religious themes and tones and, uh, you know, just outright Bible quotes. Um, I think that's something that Democrats have really missed, and they have been looking for a way to sort of have a bridge toward a broader section of the electorate than they've had in the past. And you see Warnock the way he communicates is really kind of next level. He's not your average bear when it comes to speaking. And I think that obviously has a lot to do with the fact that he's also 
the pastor at Ebenezer. But then while he was giving his speech, obviously this room was just packed with supporters and uh, big dollar donors and just people from, you know, the upper, upper echelons of Democratic politics here. The, the mayor was here, lots and lots of uh, state House and state Senate members. But at the same time, I watched the entire staff in the ballroom, all of the bartenders, all of the sort of clinking and clanking that typically happens in the background while somebody's making a speech. Everybody stopped working and they stopped to listen to him for the full 15 or 20 minutes and nobody asked them to do anything different than that Mm -hmm. either you could really tell that they felt like he was talking to them as well and he was representing them and he said specifically i see you i know it's still hard for people and i'm here to serve you and so to me that's a message that democrats have had a really hard time delivering nationally and i think that's why they're going to really start to lean on warnock in times like this he made very clear that he is not going to leave the pulpit of Atlanta's Ebenezer Baptist Church, and he's going to continue um, to see himself, as he, as he did throughout the campaign, as certainly more than a, as a reverend than a politician. Georgia, this is my promise to you. The, pro- the work that we must do is difficult. The issues are not simple. They're complex. But here's my promise to you. I will walk with you even as I work for you. Because because here is what I've learned as a pastor. You can't lead the people unless you love the people. You can't love the people unless you know the people. And you can't know the people unless you walk among the people. Powerful words and uh, a commitment from George's U.S. Senator that he is going to, uh, in his words, be with the people. Shannon. Yeah, and I I think, you know, that is something that Herschel Walker struggles with, you know, in a way. Um, You know, he talks a lot about himself. He talks a lot about, you know, vampires and werewolves. He talks about, you know, a a lot of a lot of off the, you know, off the traveled road, you know, but but he didn't. I don't know if he really connected with people at that level. You know, I, I think that Warnock, you know, Reverend Warnock has been much more effective in sort of making the campaign about the voters rather than himself. Um, and I think, you know, that, that really matters to people, you know, and, and I, I don't know if things would have been different if Herschel Walker had, had done that, but, you know, it might have made a difference in making people feel more invested. You know, I mean, one of the things we saw during this campaign that you know, was that um, Senator Warnock, you know, his campaign was much more about inclusion. You know, he wanted to build a bigger tent. He wanted to bring more people in. Where Herschel Walker really seemed to be wanting to demonize um, certain groups of people and and sort of unite people by dividing them. And, you know, that that is a a, a very different way of looking at things. And I I think, obviously, people responded more to Senator Warnock's, um, you know, vision of things than Herschel Walker's, which was a lot about, you know, you're either with me um, or you're against me. You're going to you know, support what I believe or you're on the wrong side of things. And so, you know, I, I just think ultimately people want to feel a little bit more embraced as part of a campaign than, than left, you know, left by the side of the road. That is about all the time we have for this special episode of the Politically Georgia podcast. We so enjoyed having you listen. Coming up on Friday's episode, we're going to answer questions from the listener mailbag, which you can now call into. 
is the Politically Georgia podcast hotline. You can call anytime, leave a question. We'll play it back and answer your question right here on the podcast. The number is 770-810-5297. That's 770-810-5297. Let us hear from you. Thanks so much for listening to the Politically Georgia podcast. You can count on new episodes to come out every Wednesday, every Friday, or whenever news breaks. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,